You're listening to the podcast version of the Recruit of Talionis audiobook, book one in the Talionis series. I'm your narrator, writer, and host, award-winning author C.J. Malesi. Each week, we'll bring you further into the mysterious and dangerous dystopian world of Talionis and Bria's fight for survival. If you haven't been following along with us up until now, be sure to check out the previous episodes. Now, grab your favorite hot beverage and hold on tight as we dive back in. Chapter 28 Vasco and a few others organize us into small groups, separating us according to our room assignments, one female room and one male room per group. Ari and Nika and I end up with Griffin, Asher, and Shane. We're led down a series of hallways of black walls and white ceilings and stop before a room in Section 3, Zone 2. You're about to enter a scenario that will place you in a variety of environments. The woman who led us back rests her hand on a button near the door as she addresses us. It's not real, but you'll feel like it is. It will condition all of your senses to believe what you're experiencing is, in fact, reality. You'll feel pain. You'll smell the environment. If you put something in your mouth, you will taste it. I stiffen. How is this possible? Warfare strategies contain some of the most advanced technology in all of Talionis. Ari's face brightens, and I half expect her to ask a question, but she stays quiet. While you're in the simulation, we will monitor your every move, what you do, how you interact with one another, and how you react to the scenario you're placed in will all be recorded. You'll be assessed based on these things. You'll be judged on how well you do as a team, but more importantly, how well you do individually. If your team does well in the beginning, your simulation will increase in difficulty. The higher you go, the better you'll look to the leaders. She appraises the six of us, and I fight the urge to run back down the hallway. Good luck. She presses the button. The door slides to the side as she steps away to reveal a black room yawning before us. Apprehension tightens my shoulders as we step through the door. Once the six of us have crossed the threshold, the door clangs shut. Thick blackness engulfs us. I squint into the darkness, trying to make out the others. If I didn't know they entered with me, I would think I'm alone. I lift my hand in front of my face and accidentally hit myself in the nose. I've never been in a place this dark. You guys still here? Ari's voice rises out of the blackness, cracking in fear. Yeah, Shane answers, sounding less assured than normal. Now what? Nika says. If she's afraid at all, there's no way I can tell. A light glimmers in the distance, but it's so faint, I wonder if my eyes are playing tricks on me. Do you see that? I think it's Griffin who asks. Okay, I'm not imagining it. Yeah, I say, the others echoing me. The light grows steadily, and the room rumbles, the ground shaking beneath our feet. I blink, and in that instant, the room changes. It's not a room anymore. We're outside, in the mountains somewhere. The sun edges over the horizon, sending its light into a new day. We're high on top of a mountain. I exhale, and my breath crystallizes. The smell of evergreen trees mixes with the scent of coming snow. Nika and I stare at each other. How is this happening right now? She asks. I shrug, beyond words. 
There are a few trees scattered about, short and stumpy, cringing in the high altitude. We're standing on a flat, rocky ledge, barely big enough for the six of us, and there's an enormous pile of rocks on the right next to a medium-sized duffel bag that the guys go to. I lean over the side, and the sheer drop makes my stomach flip. Ari tosses a rock over, and it bounds down the mountain. Wow. She breathes. This is incredible. I wonder how they make it so lifelike. She pokes at her band, muttering to herself. Maybe it's... Shouts from below cut her off and shatter the quiet of the early morning. Birds screech and rise out of the trees. Find them and kill them! The angry command is clear and close. Too close if they're coming for us. All of us drop and Shane and I ease ourselves to the edge. Fifteen soldiers, in uniforms I don't recognize, are marching up the side of the mountain, the barrels of their guns glinting in the early morning light. Shane signals to the rest of the group the direction they're coming from. Go that way, Shane mouths, pointing with two fingers to the left. We all nod and Griffin takes the lead. A small, precarious pathway is our only option. It's about a foot wide and slopes downward, with a cliff wall shooting up to the left and a straight drop to the right. I'm in the back of the group as we edge our way along the path. Griffin hesitates for a moment, stopping the rest of us in our tracks, and I crane my neck. The path curves, and it's impossible to see what's beyond. The sound of the soldiers moving up the mountain grows louder. Move faster, I hiss. Seriously, do you see where we are right now? Nika whispers back. My feet shuffle forward, heart pounding in my ears. We round the bend and the path opens up, continuing down into the trees. We race forward into the forest. Our breath comes in short bursts as we try to take in as much of the thin mountain air as we can. What are we supposed to do? Asher asks. Well, this is warfare training, so I don't think we're supposed to run, Nika responds. Asher scowls at her. She's right, Shane says. They want us to do something here, and I'm assuming that something is to take out the soldiers. We need a plan. I say we keep going down, Griffin pipes up. Try to outrun them. Hello, that's still running, Nika says. We need to do something. Her hands stress her words. They outnumber us and have weapons, unlike us, Griffin snaps back. We've got weapons. Shane digs through the duffel bag. Looks like a pistol for each of us, so not a lot. Bria, what do you think we should do? Nika asks. Um, excuse me? I take a half step backward. You make it through every kill zone without getting shot, and you get others through, Nika says. You see things no one else notices. She's right, Shane says. Ari nods. That's different. I can find the way through a dangerous situation, not a way to stop armed soldiers. I pause. Although... There, Nika points at me. That's the face I want to see. You have an idea. I stare through the trees toward the soldiers. Maybe. Quickly, I outline a plan that divides us in half and has three of us returning to the ledge we just left to push the rocks over on the ascending soldiers while the others prepare to hit them from the side in case any get past the rock slide we hopefully create. It's risky and a little foolish, but it's the best I can come up with. Asher is hesitant, but when Shane agrees that it's our best option, he relents. Shane, Griffin, and I go to the ledge and Nika, 
Asher and Ari take their positions. There they are, a soldier yells as Griffin steps onto the ledge. They're about 700 yards away. Without talking, the three of us press our shoulders into the pile of rocks. It doesn't budge. I grip my teeth and lean into them. The sharp edges scrape my hands and cut into my shoulder. Griffin and Shane grunt as they put all of their strength into pushing. Nothing seems to happen. Push together! On three! Urgency bruises my lungs with its weight and forces its way into my words. If this doesn't work, we've failed. Because of me. One! Two! Three! We push, and this time there's a shift. We clamber back as the rocks tumble over the edge on a collision course toward the soldiers. The ground beneath me rumbles as the rock slide picks up speed and debris. The soldiers cry out as boulders hurl toward them. A few move into the path I predicted, still attempting to get to us. There's the sound of gunfire as the rest of our group fires. The soldiers flee. Before Nika, Ari, and Asher can join us, everything goes black. I slowly stand to my feet, my arms extended for balance. The room shifts and I stumble, falling to my knees. Something creaks, and then wind rushes past my ears and my hair flies around my face. I reach up to pull my hair together. Then it's bright. We're on the roof of a building overlooking a city. The building is tall, but not as tall as the one across from us. That building soars into the sky hundreds of feet above us. I crane my neck to stare up at it. The top extends over the rest of the building, almost like a hat, and it rotates slowly. Buildings sprawl all around us, clustered together and glistening in the bright sunlight. The structure we're on top of has a flat roof and it's empty of people except for the six of us. A short wall surrounds the perimeter. The air is thick and warm. Now what? Asher asks. Ari walks toward the wall. What's that? She reaches out and pulls a box out of the shadows. Open it, Shane urges. Ari pulls off the lid, revealing a panel. There's a screen in the center with a strip of six squares underneath it, an unlit red light in the top left corner with a switch under it, and a large button on the bottom right. A calatrone board, she mutters, more to herself than to us. She flicks the switch. The screen springs to life with an image of the massive building across from us, and a mechanical voice relays instructions. Your target, the Entradas building, has been wired to explode. The device, an image of a bomb fills the screen, must be activated within the next three minutes. To activate, each of you must scan your right thumb on one of the finger strips below the screen. Once each of you has been identified, the light will flash. You then have 30 seconds to depress the button. If you do not complete this task, you will be executed by snipers positioned in nearby buildings. The screen blackens and then a timer counts down from three minutes. All right, let's do this, Griffin says. He stretches out his thumb. Wait! I shove his hand away from the device. Why are we supposed to blow up a building? There are probably people in there. Yeah, based on the size of it, a lot of people. Nika's mouth tightens into a line. It's in order, and it's not real. Griffin gestures to a nearby building. Plus, I don't feel like getting shot. It feels real enough, Nika says. I nod. I can't bring myself to kill others just to save myself, even if this is all in my head. Two minutes remaining. We're running out of time. Asher says. 
I step in front of the device. No, we can't do this. Bria. Shane's eyebrows crowd together. We don't have a choice. We have to follow the orders. I look over at the building, our target, and watch as a young boy opens a door and steps out onto a balcony. I shake my head frantically. No, no, I won't do it. One minute remaining. The numbers turn from white to red. Griffin shoves me out of the way and scans his thumb on a square. Recruit Griffin Doddle. Scanned. Come on, Griffin says. Asher scans his thumb and then grabs Ari's hand and scans hers. I back away from the device, away from the insanity of exploding a building and killing hundreds of people. I bump into someone. Shane propels me back to the others. I push away, but his hands clamp harder on my arms. Sorry, Bria, we have to do it, Shane says. I pull against his hold, but I can't find my voice to yell at him to let go. My traitorous feet won't resist enough to keep him from propelling me forward. I won't do this. I fight against his grip, wishing I had been working as hard as the rest of them, wishing I had enough physical strength right now to free myself from his grasp. 30 seconds. Shane and I are only a few feet from the device, and Asher and Griffin are taking hits from Nika as they try to force her over. Get her over here, Shane calls. Asher grabs Nika from behind, but she throws him off and hits Griffin with a left hook. Shane shoves me on the ground, pries open my fingers, and scans my thumb before I can get away. He jumps up and goes to help Asher and Griffin bring Nika over. She puts up a fight, but the three of them are dragging her closer. I race toward them, desperate to help Nika fight them off. Griffin kicks me in the stomach, throwing me back. Ten. Nine. Eight. The three guys wrestle Nika to the box, and Shane scans her thumb. Asher hits the button, the numbers stop flashing, and everything is silent for an instant. Then the explosion rips through the air, piercing my ears until I hear nothing but ringing. The building we're on sways with the force. I can't look away as the tower buckles in on itself, smoke and flames devouring the structure. My ears clear, but I immediately wish they didn't as screams of horror take the place of the ringing. We did that. I'm gasping. We did that. I turn to Shane and shove him. You made me do that. They're dying because of us. He winces at the accusation. Blackness engulfs us again. I hope you're looking forward to continuing the story next week and finding out what happens with Bria and her friends. If you just can't wait, you can purchase the full audiobook wherever audiobooks are sold starting October 6, 2023. If you're on the hunt for other great books, discover more epic, clean, young adult reads on the Read Clean YA with CJ podcast. Recruit of Talionis was written and narrated by CJ Malacy, and I can't wait to continue this journey with you next week.